Larry Kruger. He is Ryan Smith. Welcome to the Tales from the Bay podcast as we talk about the National Football League and the San Francisco 49ers. And Ryan, we, why don't we start off talking a little bit about the uh, the NFC. Um, you know, this has been a very interesting year for the conference. The Eagles are the lone undefeated team. Um, and then you've got some surprise teams, the New York Giants, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Atlanta Falcons, I would say, are all surprise teams. I asked Peter King this week about, um, you know, the, 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 you know, who's a legitimate, who has any chance of reaching the Super Bowl of some of these teams that are somewhat surprising in the NFC. And when I asked him about New York Giants, um, he said, no, they didn't have a shot. When I asked him about Atlanta, he said, no, they didn't have a shot. When I asked him about Minnesota, he said, no, they don't have a <laughs> shot. But he did say, when, when I asked him about Seattle, he said, yes, the Seahawks with Geno Smith have a chance to go to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. What do you think? Uh, I'm noticing more and more smart people. like that. I feel like that's like the big take this week is, uh, you know what? Seattle's not just a fun story. I, I actually think they can truly compete for the Super Bowl. I would not go that far. I think that there's a world definitely maybe like a 35% chance that they end up winning the West. Just maybe the Niners lose some stupid games, but there's no way they're better than the Niners. And I I don't know. I, I'm still just like a little bit of a pedigree snob. And I guess Geno Smith has a good pedigree, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I just keep waiting for him to turn back into a pumpkin. And he just looks like he's good. And it's just, I'm just nervous to like bet on them. Like they are underdogs versus Tampa Bay on a neutral site. Like what the heck? They, how are they not favored? Tampa's looked horrible. Seattle's looked unbelievable. Um, yet they're underdogs on a neutral site. It just seems weird. To me, you know, Seattle is, I wouldn't say they're a Super Bowl contender, but, you know, I think you got to tip your cap to the general manager there in Seattle, John Schneider who had an incredible offseason. Uh, you can make a very strong argument that Kenneth Walker, the third, the running back out of Michigan State, Wake Forest, that he that he is going to be the offensive rookie of the year in the NFL. He's that good. Um, Abraham Lucas is their starter at right tackle. Charles Cross is their starter at left tackle. Um, Tariq Woolen may not win the defensive rookie of the year award, but he's going to be in the running for it. And he's been fantastic on the corner, as has Kobe Bryant, the Thorpe Award winner. They added Boye Mafe. Noah Fant came over in the Russell Wilson trade. Shelby Harris has been a rock in the middle. They signed Yashena Nwosu out of, in free agency away from the Chargers and even found a late-round receiver in Derek Young, who's made a valuable contribution on special teams. Add all that together, then add in the fact that John Schneider also has five picks in the first three rounds in next April's NFL draft, including two in the first round, one that's probably going to be in the top 10. They own the Denver Broncos first round pick. So to me, uh, in a rebuild year with Geno Smith, when they went cheap at quarterback, their quarterback is less expensive than every other quarterback in their division. And yet John Schneider and Pete Carroll are riding this um, incredible off season of acquisitions they got to ride it right to a playoff berth and a top 10 pick in the draft. It's been a whale of a year uh, so far in Seattle. Seriously. Like uh, how about just the fact, like if you, before this season, I think we would have all agreed that, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy, well, maybe Jimmy's a little bit more of a stretch, but 
at least Stafford and Kyler were going to be the best two quarterbacks in the NFC West. And it's it's bizarre because uh, Jimmy G is still probably second, but uh, Geno Smith is far and away the best quarterback in the division this year. Consistently, no it's it's ha- halfway through the season. At some point, you gotta you gotta you know start tipping your cap. But still, I don't know. I, I I've been burned by these good stories before. Well, and then the other story in the NFC, I think, has to be this the the incredible struggle of what many people believed were the, the the true hierarchy in the conference. Tampa Bay with Tom Brady, uh, Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, and the defending Super Bowl champion Rams with Matthew Stafford. None of those teams look really any good at all. Um, I, I'll say it right now. I said it at the beginning of the year. I'll say it again. I don't think the Rams are going to make the playoffs. Uh, Tom Brady suddenly is... You know, their offense is not very good. They've had a lot of injuries on their offensive line. The receivers are out, all now hurt. And, you know, what can you say about Green Bay? Green Bay kissed off Devontae Adams, gave that money to Aaron Rodgers, invested in Romeo Dobbs, the rookie out of Nevada, in the draft, and Christian Watson. But as we've seen time and time again, rookie receivers really struggle to make that transition from the college game to the much more complex uh, pro game. And so, you know, Rodgers is naked out there with no receivers, and he's had a hard time adjusting. Um, Green Bay is, you know, three and six, and they're likely on the outside looking in at a playoff berth. So of those teams, Rams, Bucks, and Pack, all struggling, which one surprises you the most? Oh, God. I uh, don't have a great answer for this one. I got to say, just they're all pretty equally shocking. I mean, I guess the Packers – the Packers probably. Uh, I feel like there was definitely, I mean, you called the Rams not making the playoffs. Um, I, I thought there was a chance of a massive hangover there. And then with the Stafford arm and then Brady, I mean, I think we all kind of knew there this was going to be an exceptionally high variance Brady season with all he had going on off the field and the retiring and the unretiring and the media and the wife. It just seems and it just seemed like uh I don't know. And then the Dolphins thing. Uh so it just doesn't seem like he's fully in it. But the Packers, I feel like everyone was talking up like a lot of really smart people like Jordan Elliott, like Mike Lombardi, these people talking about this Green Bay defense and how good it was gonna be and how you know, they they were still gonna be able to run the ball and move the ball with this crazy two-headed monster tandem and no Adams, no problem. And instead, it's just been it's been it's been just disgusting and a little sad. The Eagles are the team to beat. They're the lone undefeated team in football Um, because Buffalo and Kansas City both reside in the AFC. The Eagles are the current favorite to win the Super Bowl. How likely do you think it is that the Eagles go to the Super Bowl or do you think one of the other contenders in the NFC potentially can knock them off come playoff time? Well, the odds are there's a uh, I don't know if it's changed this week, but I know I knew as of last week uh, there was a prop out there in Vegas for either the Bills or the Eagles to win the Super Bowl, and it was minus one oh five. So it was they they were saying, and obviously a lot of that's the public betting on it, but like they were saying, you know, it's pretty much fifty fifty whether or not. The rest of the league, including the Chiefs, win the Super Bowl or those two. 
now with the Josh Allen, you know, shoulder elbow injury, you're kind of seeing, all right, now we're like, okay, you know what? Uh, we're remembering usually these teams that start super hot that everyone's on. Usually they don't continue, you know, scorching hot for the whole season. So I'm expecting the Eagles to come down to earth at some point, but I mean, they're playing Gonzaga's schedule. So they, they, uh, I mean, they just have such an easy schedule. The kind of hope I think the Niners have to have is that it's sort of like the Green Bay Packers, even though this Eagles team is a tough team, they not, not getting tested really during the year can come back to bite you. It, it did, I think, for these Packers teams the past couple of years when they went like 13 and three, you know, they lost all of what, 10 games the last three years combined and Rodgers won back-to-back MVPs. And then all of a sudden this season is kind of like emblematic of the team, honestly, for them to go down this way. Like they, they get punched in the mouth and it seems like they, they just can't, you know, climb out of it. Like it happens in the it happens in the playoff games in in a, in the micro, and then in the macro of this season, it just seems like I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Lafleur was out after this year. Like it's going, things are going that fast. One more question on the NFC: Are the Eagles going to run the table um, and 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 go undefeated? Uh, I mean, uh, Jalen Hurts has won eleven straight starts. Okay, and you look at the the Eagles are the 29th team in the Super Bowl era to begin 8-0. Of the 29 teams, um, how many of them would you guess went on to win the Super Bowl? Out of the 29 teams that started 8-0 since Super Bowl one, how many of them do you think have gone on to win the Super Bowl? Not be in it, win it. Nine. Close. Eight. Eight. It's eight. So, you know, that's that's interesting. Now, the Eagles do have a weakness. Damian Pierce of the Texans in that last game on Thursday night ran for 139 yards. Um, and this is a game that between the Eagles and the Texans that was tied at the half. Um, but Philadelphia, the question is, will they run the table? They get the Packers in week 12. They get the Titans in week 13. Week 16 on Christmas Eve, they will play the Dallas Cowboys in Jerry's world. And then week 17, they get a Saints team that's got a pretty good defense. Those are the toughest games remaining on their schedule. If you're a betting man, do the Eagles run the table? They're, they're uh, I believe, like a, you can get like 11 to 1 on them right now if you want to bet it. No, and... I don't I don't think that they even want to be, you know, it's <laughs> I think that's a lot of pressure to be an undefeated team heading into the playoffs. And honestly, if I was their coach, I would hope they'd lose one just so that, you know, kind of humbles, humbles the guys and just makes them realize, you know, you can drop one to anyone. That's something this Niners team knows all too well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's transition to our second segment here on the podcast, and that is. The keys to victory. The 49ers take on the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, I almost said San Diego, but I didn't. The Los Angeles Chargers uh, roll into Levi Stadium, Sunday Night Football, national TV. Um, before I give you my three keys to victory, give me your give me what you think of the matchup. Uh, I, uh, this game scares me. Um, you know, uh, this Chargers team, they seem like the kind of team, almost like they remind me of Arizona, 
where I feel like Arizona always kind of gives fits to Arizona is a team that blows a lot of games, but then they seem to always give fits to the 49ers. And I kind of feel like that's going to happen again in this chargers game. I think that the Niners are going to look really good. Um, but I think that the chargers are just going to keep it close. And, uh, I, I think this one, the Niners ultimately pull out, but, um, I think it kind of just depends on it's going to depend on if they make a few fourth downs and, you know, uh, some big time like goal, you know, going for two, if they get it, they're going to do all that kind of stuff. So it's just, it's, it's always a little scary. It feels a little bit like a coin flip. Chargers did something, you know, if you say like opponents, well, you know, one common opponent, the 49ers and the Chargers had um, was the Atlanta Falcons. And the 49ers lost to the Falcons in Atlanta. Last week, we saw the Chargers actually beat the Falcons in Atlanta. Um, same, you know, the, the Los Angeles Chargers are a very talented football team. I, I, what do you think of Justin Herbert? Because I think Herbert, to me, you know, he's not Mahomes. He's not Josh Allen. Um, at least in the NFL, he hasn't won on that level. But, man, he throws a beautiful ball. And he's, he's, uh, he's got a huge arm. And there's no question that he looks like he's got the the makings of a of a superstar NFL franchise quarterback. What's what's your thoughts on him? Yeah, I think he gets he, he's kind of a weird one because he's like simultaneously overrated and underrated. I mean, he's overrated in that he's kind of everybody's like hipster favorite quarterback. Like, oh, I'm a little too hip, I'm a little too hipster to pick Mahomes or Allen. So I'm actually going to say that I think Herbert's the best quarterback in the league. And it's like, you watch the tape. It's not a bad take because it just looks like the talent, like, okay, you know, get ahead of the take now. And then you can say you were in on him early. Uh, He seems like he should be an MVP. Like it reminds me of Luka Doncic. Like I think the last two years, Herbert's came in as the MVP favorite and the teams just kind of, they keep charging. And I don't know whether to blame Staley. I, I, I kind of, I'm inclined to blame Staley just because, I mean, he's a defensive coach and the Rams defense got better when Raheem, Raheem Morris took over. And then, um, you know, they've had pro bowlers everywhere and their defense has no toughness. So yeah, I, I think I'd blame more of the coach, but I mean, Herbert does look pretty awesome. Although I'd like to, him to see, uh, like to see him pull out a few more W's. I think this might be one of the NFL's best rosters. I really do. When you talk about you know, Joey Bosa and, and Khalil Mack and, you know, Derwin James and Nazir Adderley and, and Asante Samuel. On, and we're just talking about on the defensive side, Kenneth Murray. They got some really nice players. And then on offense, big Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, uh, Justin Herbert, uh, obviously Austin Eckler, some really good offensive linemen. Uh, the kid from Northwestern, I think is fantastic. You know, they, this is a really talented football team um but you know mike williams has been dinged up keenan allen had a hamstring pull but he's getting healthier he probably either goes in this game or if he doesn't go in this game he's probably healthy the week after and that's their big hope is that keenan's going to finish with a monster finish um keenan allen might be one of the best wide receivers in football that nobody talks about he's incredibly productive he's got size he's got speed he's got hands um anytime he's on the field and healthy He's a, he's a true number one receiver. But to me, if I would say what's the key to victory for the 49ers in this game, 
since you don't know about the two receivers, one, you, you don't know about Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, but they do have Josh Palmer, who played at Tennessee, who's got good size, good speed, terrific hands. Um, you know, if Josh Palmer, is, you know, can make plays or if if Keenan's healthy for this game, I mean, the Chargers have some some real weapons in the pass game that that they can burn you with. Everett makes Everett kills Gerald teams. Everett, the tight I mean, it end, seems yeah. like he yeah, it seems like he always makes just some horrible costly like all of a sudden it pans over to red zone and Scott Hansen's like, what? Oh, look at it, Everett up. Oh, take a look at this. And he'll like have some horrible drop or some fumble. Um, but I do think that he's he he's a he's good, you know, nine out of ten times. Oh, he's a mismatch. I mean, he's a, he's a big guy who can really run. To me, the the first key for the 49ers in this game is you have to cover the safety valve out of the backfield. They're going to throw it to Austin Eckler, and they're going to throw it to him a lot. And you saw the play that he made this week where he kept his feet. The Falcon defenders both thought he was down, and he's got such unbelievable torque and strength in his lower body that he pivoted. And he wasn't down, and they took it to the house. Now, eventually, they saw oh, on the pond review that his elbow had just barely touched the carpet, and so they called it back. Otherwise, that was an Austin Eckler touchdown. So, to me, the 49ers have to show that they can do two things here with Austin Eckler, that they can cover him out of the backfield, which is no picnic, and then can you wrap him up? He's got a tremendously explosive lower body. He, he He's not Alvin Kamara. He's not Barry Sanders, but he's got he's in that same category where he's got unbelievable balance and leg strength and torque, and you're just not going to be able to bring him to the ground really easily. So to me, uh, key number one is cover Austin Eckler out of the backfield, and when he gets the ball in the flat, you better wrap him up. Uh, you you know, put a hat on a hat, as they say, and bring your friends, because um, if Eckler gets loose in the pass game, he can take a five yard pass and take it to the house. And we saw that a couple of weeks ago with Jet McKinnon, who made probably the biggest crushing play in that loss to the Chiefs when he took a screen pass and got it, you know, on a third and long and got it down to the three yard line. They scored a couple of plays later and the momentum never shifted back. Um, to the 49ers in that game. So defending Austin Eckler and rapping on Eckler, key number one. What would you put key. the over-under on building off that? What would you put the over-under for uh, running back receptions in that game? For Austin? Or no, no, uh, just for the game. So between Eckler, McCaffrey, Debo. Oh, my God. 12? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 12 and a half, <laughs> something like that. It's going to be a high number. It's going to be an yeah. absolutely a high number. The other thing I think for the 49ers is they have to commit to the run game in this game. Um, you know, the 49ers have a lot of weapons. They can do a lot of different things offensively. To me, in this game against the Chargers, it screams commit to the run. The Chargers have given up 175 yards per game over the last month. It's one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. In fact, if you look at the Chargers, they're 20, they, they don't run it well, they don't stop the run. They're 28th in rushing offense. They're 29th in rushing defense. They're giving up 145.5 yards per game on the ground on the season. Now, as I just sta stated, in the last month, that 145 is closer to 175. So the 49ers absolutely have to commit to the run. Elijah Mitchell, we, we caught up with him this week in Santa Clara. Uh, he's ready to roll. You know, he's ready to roll. He's he, He's been hurt all year. He's been on the IR. He's come off. And he's going to be activated in this game. 
And I would imagine a full dose of, uh, of Elijah Mitchell is in store for the Chargers. But it's not just Mitchell. I think I would run Ayuk. I would run Debo. I'd run McCaffrey. I'd mix it up. Um, you know, I'd run a, I, I might have a very diversified rushing attack, but I am attacking the Chargers in the run game and trying to keep the ball out of the air because, you know, the reality is, is that Asante Samuel can pick off passes. Derwin James can as well. This game will change if the Niners are minus two or minus three in turnovers. The best way to, to really kind of set the tone in this game is to dominate the run game against the Chargers and just keep featuring the run and don't bail them out. I mean, on defense, they're an incredible team. If you want to, if they, you know, the game, the game on D is rush the quarterback and cover cover behind it. Well, they've got Bosa who won't play in this game, but they also have Khalil Mack. And so those guys can destroy your day and knock out your quarterback. So to me, it's, a, it's, it's gotta be a 60, 40 run pass split game, commit to the run stay with it for four quarters and make the chargers stay home and play run D. Yeah, I think that is a, an excellent plan. I also would like to see Jimmy throw a bunch of short passes, all that kind of stuff. That pretty much is the run game though, you know, be, being physical. I'm sure most teams that can't stop the run. Well, probably don't do great against screen passes either. Um, yeah. And also, the, and the third for me, the third key is recognize how special Khalil Mack is. You know, we talked to a number of players this week in Santa Clara about the Chargers and their defense and how they look on film. And man, to a man, they'll they'll say, "Hey, watch out for fifty-two. You know, watch out for fifty-two. And fifty-two is Khalil Mack. And Mack is a special player. He makes a lot of money, and there's a reason he makes a lot of money. He's got quickness. He's got strength." He can beat you with quickness to the edge. Uh, if you overcompensate, he can, you know, get you on your on off balance and, and bull rush you right into the lap of the quarterback. Khalil's a difference making pass rusher. Um, he's even more dangerous when Joey Bosa's on the other side. But even without Bosa, you can't allow Khalil Mack to dominate this game. He's one of those guys that also seems like he always shows up in these primetime games like when he was with the bears, it was, I felt like, like a couple of those teams, like were pretty good. The Trubisky teams. And it just seemed like every primetime bears game, it was like, you know, Mac recovers two fumbles and has three sacks and Twitter dunks all over the Raiders for the trading him. So I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't be super stoked about having this as a uh, Sunday night game. Uh, I I will like that matchup though, between him and Bosa. No question. And, and and the one thing about the Chargers that everybody has to keep in mind is that the Chargers have invested in some of the NFL's greatest singular talents. And uh, Derwin James can ruin your day as well. And I would say, you know, be very aware of where Derwin James is as a delayed blitzer uh, in coverage. He's just he's a he's a guy who has a tremendous nose for the football. He's you know, he's as big as a linebacker. He's as quick as a corner. They play him at safety. He's got great instincts, so he's always flowing in the right direction, does a lot of film study, and he knows what's happening pre-snap, and he's just he's moving instinctively towards the football, play after play after play, and he's proven at this point. He makes huge plays. So to Is me, this a there's Derwin, two. Derwin James revenge game for the Niners well, not taking him? The Niners passed on <laughs> Derwin James for Mike McGlinchey. Did you see what um, McGlinchey, McGlinchey said today? Even, McGlinchey even yeah. joked about it this week. 
Um, but I mean, I'll just say this. I mean, they have the kinds of individual defensive players that, that can change a game. Oh, it's a you know, pro We, we see it. Yeah. We see it with Nick Bosa. He's a special player who single-handedly can change a game. Well, Derwin James can do that. And so can Khalil Mack. So not allowing Derwin and Khalil Mack to take over the game would be my third and final key to victory. So that's it. Co- you know, cover Austin Eckler and wrap up against Eckler. That's one commit to the run game for all four quarters and make it be a diversified attack. And don't let the chargers defensive superstars, they have three of them. The only two of them are going to play in this game. Don't let those two guys ruin your Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening. I should say, uh, don't let Derwin James and Khalil Mack ruin your, your appearance on national TV. You do those three things. You, you don't let Derwin and Khalil dominate the game. You commit to the run for four quarters. And every time Eckler gets it, you wrap up. I think, you know, that's going to bode well for the 49ers chances of getting another win and keeping that momentum going. Yeah. And I got to say, I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but I, I did get a sense t- today a couple times uh, when we were doing the interviews in the locker room that the players were kind of like, you know, we, we're going to try not to like play down to their competition type things where it seems like, you know, they, they respect the Chargers, but I don't think they're, I think they think they're going to roll in there and, and really just, you know, lay the hammer down, uh, especially coming wow. off a of bye week. <laughs> I, you know, all I'll say to any 49er who thinks that Denver, Chicago, yeah. Atlanta, don't be overconfident. Exactly. You know, those are not good teams. None of those teams are probably going to the playoffs and you lost to all three of them. So don't take this Charger team lightly. A lot of people were picking this Charger team to go to the Super Bowl yeah. at the beginning of the year. If they didn't have a third of their roster on the injured list, I think they would be right there with the the contenders in the AFC. Yeah. If the, if the NFL was simply a guy off, like uh, you name a team and then just your average NFL fan can name a bunch of guys and whoever could like you know name the most guys whatever team wins the super bowl they would easily be in the super bowl the niners actually might win it just in terms of the number of guys that you can mention that you know the average fan doesn't know who are on the texans or whatever but like the niners got they've got them all over the place so do the chargers maybe the most amazing thing about this game when we're thinking about uh, some of the subplots 49ers' last Super Bowl victory was in you know against the Chargers in Miami. Uh, that team, that Charger team, had Stan Humphreys and Natron Means and Junior Seau and Sean Jefferson. There was a number of good players on that team, and the 49ers beat them. I think 49 to 26 with Steve Young and Jerry Rice. And and the last time the 49ers actually went to and won a Super Bowl, they're 0 and 2 since. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, it would be great. We'll ask some of the players about their thoughts of the Super Bowl. And then I realized it was 1994. And most of these guys, you know, you'd have to be 32, 33 years old just to even remember 1994. Um, and there's probably only one guy on the team, Robbie Gold, that that has any recollection of that game at all. <laughs> so, you oh, know, yeah. it's amazing how much time has actually passed since the 49ers last won a Super Bowl. So, um, but it'll be good to see the Chargers because it's always a good reminder of that of that Niner beatdown in Miami. Oh, it could be a it could be a glorious uniform matchup too if both teams coordinate correctly. 
could be glorious. Uh, no question. Two of my believers. favorite uniforms in, in all of football are the Niners. I like the Niners 94 throwbacks that they oh. wore in that Super Bowl. Oh. With the uh, the the red tops and the white pants, and I love the Chargers with the white helmets and the and you know just the the Lance Allworth Bambi uniforms they used to wear in the '60s and '70s. Um, all right, let's take a break. We got more straight ahead. It's the Tales from the Bay podcast. We're two segments in. We got two segments to go. Coming up next, a little game between Ryan and I. Who can guess the highest paid 49ers? Ooh. We're going to see if who, who's, who's better at this, Ryan or myself. It's all coming next on the Tales from the Bay podcast. Hope you're enjoying it. I'm Larry Kruger. He is Ryan Smith. And this segment, we're going to have Ryan guess how many of the top five paid 49ers can Ryan guess without looking. Okay. Well, Ryan. Wait. All right. My hands are in the air. Do you have a list? I do have a list of the mm. top paid 49ers and I have the top five guys and um, we'll see how many of them you can get in order. Oh, I feel like I how should. How many I guesses just... it takes you to get all five? Uh, okay. I'm guessing it's going to take me seven guesses. All right. Seven. Okay. 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 Uh, Debo. Debo is not in Ooh. the top five. All right. Debo okay. makes $6.8 million. <gasps> That's his cap hit this year, six point eight million. He is not a top five 49er. Oh, see, I immediately duped myself there. (laughs) I was thinking big contract, but now this makes things harder. Oh no! And Jimmy has an incentive. Uh, Ooh, I don't even know how McCaffrey's cap hit works. Uh, I'll throw in Armstead. Eric Armstead, and that is not. He is not one of the top five paid 49ers, according to uh, spot track. And, and as far as the cap hit for this year, no. Oh, Eric wow, Armstead is, is not a top five guy. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Here we go. I told so you to take you've seven. Got so that's... Now you got to go five for five. Okay. All right. I can do that. Trent Williams. Trent Williams checks in at number five. He makes $9.6 million as his cap figure for this year. Trent Williams, the fifth highest paid 49er. Jimmy G? Jimmy G's number one. Okay. 13.9 okay. million for Jimmy G as his cap hit for the year. That's number one on the 49ers. So you have number one and number five. Okay. All right. That's a good range. Uh whew. what about what about what about Juice? He has that big, big old deal. How Juice check. Kyle Huszczyk is not oh, a top five on. paid 49er. What? I thought this was going to be too easy. Uh, oh, McGlinchey. Mike McGlinchey checks in at number three. $10.8 million okay. for Mike McGlinchey, the starting right tackle for your San Francisco 49ers. Makes a, his cap hit is $10.8 million. He's third highest on the team. So right now you have one. You have three and you have five and you've made three wrong guesses. So I'm 50%. <laughs> so a drunk baby flipping coins. Uh, okay. What's the deal with McCaffrey's cap hit? Is that because obviously he would be, but he had it paid by the Panthers, right? Or... Yes. McCaffrey is the cap hit is not the top five uh, hit on the 49ers. So now oh, you've wow. got four incorrect guesses. <sighs> Bosa? 
Nick Bosa checks in at number four. That's right. 10.8 million is his cap hit for this year. Nick Bosa. Oh, that, so see, that, that confused one. me because he's still on his rookie deal, right? But it's that hot, hot, super high pay scale. That's right. So it's uh, Jimmy G at 13.9, McGlinchey at 10.8, Bosa at 10.8, Trent at 9.6. So you need you, don't, you have one more in the top five that you've yet to guess. Mooney Ward? No. Charvarius Mooney <sighs> Ward not in the top five. Mitch wish no. Uh, dang. Uh, I honestly, I don't want to give up. There's but... other stars on this team. Oh yeah, Fred Warner. Oh, okay, there we go. Fred Warner is not a top what? five paid forty nine er. No, he's at eight point one. What? Uh, he is not top five. Jimmy Ward. Jimmy Ward is right. Really? Jimmy Ward twelve. Point nine million. Jimmy Ward makes a lot of money. He's a hell of a football player. Top five are Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Ward, Mike McGlinchey, Nick Bosa, and Trent Williams. I thought you were going to guess George Kittle. Because uh, he had a high number as well. And also the guy who's got the surprising high number, uh, Samson Abukam, makes $8.2 million. Okay, he was on my short list. He was but- number six on the list behind Trent. I am actually kind of surprised about Kittle, but I just I seem to remember thinking that that's like the most reasonable contract. I also don't understand Debo. How is Debo not on there? Has it not well, kicked in? Well, because it's cap hit. So, I mean, it's spread out. It's not, it's not, it, you know, it's just, it's just their cap hit for this year. So what was his, his what cap was his hit deal? 6.8 five for, million. Five for 60, I thought, or something like, or what is it? Uh, it's a, I don't have the details in front of me, but mm. he signed a, a very good deal for himself, but but his cap hit this year, 6.8 million. And that is well beneath the top five for the 49ers. All right. That's our little contest up next. We're going to talk a little bit about the predictions on the game itself. 49ers and chargers national TV, Sunday night football, NBC rolls into Levi's. And it is that time where we give you our predictions on, uh, on what we're going to see in this game between the Niners and the Chargers at Levi Stadium in front of a national te- televised audience. A national television game always gets people excited. The tailgating will be fierce. There'll be people starting all day. And, Rye, we've been in those tailgates. And, man, there's going to be some some uh, some very boisterous, loud 49er people that will have a lot of food and a lot of booze in them come kickoff. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, uh, unfortunately, it seems like there would be not Ram. I mean, we went to the Rams games. It seems like there would be Chargers fans that, you know, are living in the Bay Area or that would drive up for this. But I don't know. It seems like they've kind of I don't want to, you know, diss the fans. Give them I don't want to give the fans, uh, you know, bulletin board material. But, you know, I don't think there's going to be that many Chargers fans, but I do think it's going to be very festive. I mean, it's been you know, bye week for the fans as well. Everybody's rested and ready to, uh, you know, drink an absurd amount on a Sunday. I don't even know if there are a lot of Chargers fans. Uh, I mean, you don't see them in Los Angeles. Um, they alienated their fan base when they left San Diego. When they went to L.A., they're the second team, maybe the third team in L.A., maybe the fourth team in L.A. If you said who are the most popular teams in Los Angeles, the Rams would probably be one or two. The Raiders would probably be one or two. The 49ers 
would probably be in the top three. I bet you there are more 49er fans in Southern California than there are Chargers fans, at least in Los Angeles. I think the Chargers are many ways. They're like a, they're like a team without a home. They have a stadium. They have a team. They got a great young general manager in Tom Telesco. They got a franchise quarterback, but they don't have the love of the fans of Los Angeles. That's for sure. Yeah. It just, isn't it crazy how it seems like the Philip the Philip Rivers Chargers, like that craziness where you just expected every Sunday they would be in some like one o'clock window game and Philip Rivers would be, you know, charging back in the fourth quarter after they had some just unthinkable mistakes that you don't even necessarily blame on them that are like acts of God. And then they would be driving down. Sometimes they win, sometimes they lose. But it seems like they have the same mentality. And that's what goes into my um the same juju and that's what's going into my prediction i think the niners take care of this game and i really am pretty confident about it uh the niners have trouble with teams that play very uh i don't know if you'd say conservatively but teams that don't beat themselves and the chargers are gonna the chargers are gonna give them you know some turnovers and they're gonna do stupid stuff so i i think that that's to the niners advantage what's your final score Mm, I'm going to say Niners 28, Chargers 22. Okay. So you got the 49ers winning by uh, winning by six. I like the 49ers to win by 10. I think the 49ers are going to run the ball with success. Um, I think they'll be able to block Khalil Mack. And I think they're going to be able to stop Sandy, uh, Los Angeles' running game. I don't think the Chargers are going to run it. I think the 49ers second level speed on defense with Fred Warner and Aziz Ashair, Dre Greenlaw getting healthier. I think coming off the bye week, the Niners will be flying around making plays. Um, but I, I, I think it's going to be more like, you know, 28-17, something like that. 28-17, 49ers. The Niners will win the game at the line of scrimmage by running the ball, stopping the Chargers run. Uh, they'll be plus one or plus two, the 49ers will, on the turnover margin at the end of the day. And I think the Chargers are a really talented football team. Um, but, you know, if you if you had Mike Williams and you had a healthy Keenan Allen, then there's a really good chance Keenan goes, but I don't know about Mike Williams. Um, now you've got a real intriguing, you know, situation because they've got big receivers uh, who who, you know, who can go up in a crowd and make catches, you know, above the defender. But uh, Mike Williams almost definitely is not going to play in this game. So I, I, I like the char- I like the Niners to beat the Chargers. I'll say 28-17, 28-17, 49ers. Uh, I just had to throw a funky numeral in there just because I'm assuming they're going to go for it on fourth a bunch or, I mean, on uh, go for two a bunch and kind of screw up the maybe. Oh, definitely miss an extra point, too, probably. So yeah, what's the over under on the number of times Brandon Staley goes for it on fourth down in this game? <sighs> It'd be hilarious if he just went on an absolute heater like it, like a like a, a uh, what do you call that? A roulette heater or like a blackjack heater. He just keeps going for it and just keeps getting it versus the Niners. That would be so that would be kind of classic Niners. Like we'd be like, well, I mean, that was just kind of crazy that they did that. But also, like, how, how did they lose to the Chargers? Like, that seems like a classic. Do you have game. a favorite before we end the podcast? Do you have a favorite Charger football player in the history of the franchise? Who's your favorite Charger? 
There's been some entertaining ones. Dan Fouts, Charlie Joyner, Chuck Muncie, LaDainian Tomlinson, Junior Seau. Lots of great Charger players through the years. Uh, I mean, I'm going to be kind of late. I mean, just because I'm younger, um, you know, the only quarterback I've ever seen is Phil Rivers uh, in a Chargers uniform. I guess I'd probably have to go with I, I got to go LT just because he was like at the time of when I was growing up and it was like I was the most impressionable to like guys like LT and AI and just like that were just so sick. And you know what? There's going to be so much LT. Um, that's going to be there's going to be at least like three different like Ladanian Tomlinson graphics where they're like comparing you know Ladanian Tomlinson to McCaffrey in San Diego and they're going to talk about LT being the last guy to run one and throw one and pass one or run throw pat wait run throw and catch a touchdown that's totally going to be a talking point I'm going junior say the late great junior say I can remember going to Niner training camp when they practiced against the Chargers in the early 90s and Man, you had Jerry Rice up there, you had Junior Seau, and they were both just in their prime, and and they just stood out. I mean, these guys, you could you could see their greatness from 150 yards away. I mean, hot day in Rockland, California. <laughs> well, I mean, and, mm-hmm. uh, and just how like, incredibly athletic and joyful both those players were. I mean, Jerry, uh, the most dominant receiver in the history of pro football, and Junior Seau, one of the greatest linebackers I've ever seen, and he just said – freakish speed and ability so junior Seau, who uh unfortunately is no longer with us but he wore 55 and he was spectacular and then also i got a special point place in my heart for the chargers uh longtime announcer uh lee saw hamilton who used to announce marion butts touchdowns touchdown marion butts Ma- marion uh, butts <laughs> Marion Butts was a tremendous running back for the Chargers in the, uh, in the I guess, what, maybe 80s, late 80s, maybe early 90s. Uh, but there you go. Junior Seau was my favorite Charger. He was just electric to watch. One of the great linebackers. Brent Jones, They get, the Niners got uh, Junior isolated against Brent Jones in, in the Super Bowl in 1994. And Jones caught a fade pass from Steve Young. That was an absolute perfect dime. But Junior Seau was on the losing end that day and was on the losing end of that play. But uh, Junior Seau was a absolutely stunning football player who uh, just loved to play. He could play inside backer, played outside backer, defensive end, and he just made play after play after play. The pride of San Diego. And uh, sadly, he left us way too soon. We're in the Niner locker room with Elijah Mitchell coming off the bye week. How'd you spend your bye week? Uh, I was up here uh, getting right, making sure my body is all good to go. Well, how you feeling? You coming off the uh, being injured, ready to roll? How, how you feeling? How's the rehab gone? Oh yeah, it's going good. Uh, they took uh, good care of me, and I'm I'm ready to roll. Normally, if you're playing every every week this time of the year, you're a football player, especially at your position, running back. How does your body normally feel if you had played the last five or six games? How would you be feeling different? Oh, uh, you'd definitely be uh, a little banged up. But uh, like I said, if you do a good job, take care of your body, you should be all right. Talk to us a little bit about the Chargers. What do they look like on film defensively? Uh, like I say, uh, everybody played their gaps and stuff. Uh, but uh, I think in the run game, we would be able to attack them like we want to. All right. Um, 
as far as uh, you know, bye week normally, like what would guys normally do during a bye week? Do they hang out? Do they do they get off their feet? Like what, what do they give you guys any instructions of what they want you to do during the bye week, or is it all just on your own, do what you want? Uh, they definitely want you to uh, get moving and work out and stuff. But uh, some guys, everybody, everybody uh, body's different. So some of them go home, relax, uh, kick their feet up. Some of them work out. But everybody's different. Hey, two last ones before we let you go. Niners Chargers played in the Super Bowl. Last time 49ers won the Super Bowl, they beat the Chargers. What is the first Super Bowl you remember as a kid watching? Uh, the last Super Bowl was the. Uh, it was when I was a kid. I can't remember which one, but it was the Saints versus. I forgot who it was though. But it, it was the Saints. The Saints. The Saints. How about uh, a couple weeks from now? You guys are off to Mexico City. What are you looking forward to about about going down there? Uh, food or anything you want to see what, what, what's your trip to mexico city going to be like outside of football uh definitely want to go try the food but uh we got alfredo over there so he's going to show us the ropes when we get down there <laughs> good luck to you in the second half i appreciate it thank you all right we're here in the niner locker room with alfredo gutierrez and uh, alfredo thanks for joining us and how'd you spend your bye week what'd you do pretty good i went to monterey to basically my alma mater they have like a rivalry game against uh Universidad de Nuevo León. It's a pretty big game, so I went there visit, and I also went to Tijuana for a couple of days, and then come back. Nice. Did your team win? Uh, we lost. Uh, Unfortunately, we lost for three points. Yeah. There. No. How does how do you, how do guys normally handle the bye week? What are what guys do you, you stop well, working out or you? Do you I mean, no, nah, you never can stop. Yeah. Especially during the season, you need to uh, keep running, keep working out, uh, be active. Uh, I went there. I'll be honest with you, I didn't work out for like two days. Right. But uh, as soon as uh, I got back to Tijuana, I started like lifting, working out, and did some hills. And and then I came back here on Sunday, came back, did some pool uh, exercises, and and be ready by Monday. Nice. How do the Chargers look on film to you? The, the what? How do the Chargers look when you watch them on uh, film? They look, they look good. A decent team. The They have a pretty good players. Also, I know that... Uh, Joy Bulls is not it's not not it's not playing. Um but the Chargers have a pretty good team. The quarterback is good, number thirty two is also good. We were watching a lot of table of what he does, so it's gonna be a tough game. Yeah, you guys as a group coming together, some of those the, the young guards are playing really, really well and it seems like uh, yeah. seems mm -hmm. like now, you know, you got Trent back and Mike hopefully maybe off the bye week. Mm -hmm. uh, how's the O-line looking for the second half? I think pretty good, like you said. The, the both uh, guards are doing a really good job, uh, especially with the veterans, the tackles. I think it's getting all, all connected. The whole chemistry is getting there. So I think that for the O-line group, it's going to be a good game too. All right, last Super Bowl, the last time Niners won the Super Bowl, it was Niners beat the Chargers. What is the first Super Bowl you remember watching as a kid? Uh, wow. The first one I remember watching, I think it was the Panthers against the Patriots. But Panthers, I, I, Patriots. I really don't really remember a lot. There was like a type, like a party in, in Tijuana with my, my dad's friends. and But I remember they were happy about because they were going to party and also they were watching the game. And I think the Patriots won that game, right? Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Tom Brady. Um, two weeks from now, you guys are going down to uh, to Mexico City. Um, have the guys in here been hitting you up about that? And give yeah. me give me something about um, that you're telling guys in here that when they go to Mexico City, they gotta <laughs> I mean, try. What, what's pretty, one thing you gotta do? I'm pretty excited for that game. Well, all the guys are asking me. I think we're, I don't know if we're allowed, but um, you know the tacos or street food is the best. 
Uh, I don't really recommend a lot because we have to play, but right. you have to try it at least. You know, they have like um, these Mexican like muffins. They're really good too. Um, I don't know, man. Like, if we, if we are allowed to try like different styles of food, that will I really recommend that. Yeah, uh, give me give me one person um, as far as like a player in the league that you kind of study to try to get better. I mean, or is there is there a player on your in your own position group that you're yeah, studying? Yeah, like I, I mean, Who do you I like watch, to study to, to I improve? I watch like every, every every like every player. Um, like I watch Trent. I watch McClinchy. I watch. Uh, Last year, I used to watch, uh, you know, Villanueva and from for the Ravens and yeah. 77 from for the Rams. So people that have my my height or the same like body type. Right. And I also watch like Trendos or Mike. So what can I get from them into my technique or my toolbox? And I basically watch like a different type of players, and then I I try to use like some abilities or some techniques. And if it works, I just stick with them. Yeah. Last one. Uh, what's the vibe in here as you guys as you hit the second half of the year, man? This is this is a team that can can make a run to the Super Bowl. Yeah, what's pretty the, good. No, everybody's like, what's the uh, thought? The energy and everybody's the desires be in the Super Bowl. So everybody's still like with the feet on on the ground, and but very focused on what the goal is to make it all the way to the. There you go. That does it for the Tales from the Bay podcast. We both like the 49ers to beat the Chargers on national TV, right? Tell people where they can get the podcast if they can, if they're checking it out for the first time, tell them where they can find it. Yeah, well, if you're watching this on YouTube or, uh, well, yeah, YouTube, I guess, or seeing a social clip, not sure, uh, make sure to search out the Tales from the Bay podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify. Um, yeah, you got to actually search Tales from the Bay now because uh, we're no longer on the Gridiron feed. We actually have our own feed now, and we've got this really cool uh, artwork, although it's a little unfortunate. When you see it, you're going to be like, oh, dang, that's such good artwork, and it's a little unfortunate that that's who's on it. But uh, to go see that for yourself, you got to search out the show and leave reviews, five stars, comments. We'll probably read anything, uh, you know, whether it's negative or positive, we'll probably read anything that we get that's five stars. So go do that. There you go. <laughs> that does it for us. Next week, we'll uh, we'll come to you. We'll talk a little bit about the Niners and the Cardinals who come to you from Mexico City. Should be fun.